Hey there, Wolfpack fans. I know it's been a while since y'all seen my beautiful face. And since y'all seen Grayson's slightly less beautiful, but also beautiful face. I know it's been quite some time, but we're back and we're talking a weekend review. We're talking a 30-point blowout. We're talking a loss up in the uh, carrier dome. We're talking all things Wolfpack men's basketball today. And tomorrow, we'll bring you the exact same thing just for the women. So, are you ready to get into this, Grayson? I'm more than ready after what I saw last night. Oh, boy. All righty. Well, let's get into it. But before we do, I have to tell you that to, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. So, we're going to go through the, the massive blowout against Boston College and also a massive letdown against Syracuse that Bert Smith might have had something to do with. Stick around for all that and more on today's episode of Locked on Wolfpack. You are Locked on Wolfpack. Your daily podcast on the NC State Wolfpack. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. So, Grayson, I know that you had some thoughts. I know that you had some very intense thoughts. So I'm going to let you get this one started. We're going to start off with the loss at Syracuse. How are you feeling about that game? What are you taking away from it? Uh, I was expecting we were going to start with the Boston College win. But, hey, we can start with the uh, the debacle from last night. If you look closely, I think I still have steam coming out of my ears. Um one of the most frustrating losses I've seen in some years, probably I think the last time I got as upset as I did last night was when we went on the road to Wisconsin a couple of years back and we were dealing with all the flop calls with Brad Davidson. Oh, That's yeah. probably the last time I got as fired up as I did last he, night. He drew what, six charges? Was it? Yeah, they, they made a graphic for how many flops, or not flops, but charge calls he had. That's how ridiculous that yeah. was. But – that was that was years in the years in the rearview mirror. Now mm-hmm. we got to talk about the loss from last night at Syracuse. Mm-hmm. Oh my God! I mean, it's okay. I hate blaming things on officiating. I don't think there's really ever enough officiating to completely pin something on. I think. If you look hard enough, you can find plenty of other things that's, that that will tell you, hey, if we did this better, we could have won. If we executed X, Y, Z better, we could have won. I'm going to go over my own head because last night was some of the worst officiating I have ever seen in my entire life. 27 years on this planet Earth, I have never seen officiating worse than what I saw last night. Now, again... Was that the sole reason we lost? No, it wasn't. But mm-hmm. damn if it didn't kill us at the very end of that game. Right. Phantom foul calls. I mean, the flop on DJ to foul him out. Brutal. Casey Morcell was a vi- victim of a non-flop call. Brutal. Just absolutely killed us. I thought we were the better team. We, Despite our, our lack of competency at some points, we were the better team. I thought we deserved to win. Uh, but something Keats has been saying 
uh, both last night and today, is the players were not afforded the opportunity to decide who won or lost that game, which sucks. So. You know, I want to I want to get something going here because I just want to talk about the fact that everybody says, well, you know, like you said, you can't blame officiating, and the officiating isn't everything, and and you know, it's 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 hard to blame things on officiating and yada 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 so on and so forth. And okay, that's fine. We'll agree. I'll give you that. You're absolutely right. But I want to bring up a very interesting stat here. Okay. The Wolfpack have played 27 games this year. They're 20 and 7 on the year. Okay. In games not officiated by Burt Smith, the team is 17 and 3. That is good for an 85% win percentage. Okay? So that's that stretches from the 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 Island of Misfit Toys University and Shawshank Redemption Community College all the way up through the best teams in the nation. 17 and 3 when Burt Smith is not on the call. When he is on the call, 3 and 4. Now, I know some of you are thinking, Ken, is that that bad again? We're looking at a 85% win percentage when he is not the guy. It drops to 42% with him on the crew. Well, that's not that bad, except for the fact that you consider this game combined with the UNC game where they shot over three times as many free throws as us was another game that guess who was on? Good old Burt Smith. I am sorry and, and again, y'all know me. I am I am much like Grayson. I may not have as much anger towards people who blame it on the refs, but I rarely ever do it. When it's time to hold people's feet to the fire and say we didn't do, we just didn't do. And even when it comes to this game, we will get to what NC State didn't do and could have done to put themselves in a better position. But again, I don't. how does the conference look at a guy that takes a team and literally makes them, statistically speaking, half as likely to win as they are in every other game where he's not there and nobody's saying anything. Yeah, I think I think two things are true. One, we had a lot of lapses that put us in a bad position. We should have been blowing them out, to be quite honest with you. Absolutely. We should have been blowing them out. We made some mental mistakes. And we, we kind of left ourselves in a bad position. Now, the second point is that the officiating absolutely was a deciding factor at the end of that game. Both are true. You, yep. can, you can acknowledge one and also acknowledge the other. Yep, I, think, I think it would be perfectly acceptable for Keats, Boo Corrigan, and NC State to have, have a real conversation with the ACC in saying that we feel that when we are given this particular official, the the fouls are skewed. We don't know why. Now, listen, do I think Burt Smith has a personal vendetta against NC State? I don't know. Probably not. But there's there's been a lot of damning evidence from what I've seen uh, the last 24 hours. But again, look. And it, it listen, and it also it wasn't just last night. 
It also wasn't just in our UNC game the first time. The ACC officiating across the board this year has been very bad. It yes. really hasn't just been us. So I don't want to paint the picture like, you know, we're, we're crying wolf here, pun intended. Um, it's been bad across the board. It really has. I think the ACC really needs to look in the mirror, maybe get a new batch of officials or something I heard on the radio today is maybe you, you take a specific batch of officials and you make them the official officials of the ACC. So that way you don't get these guys that are flying in all over the country and this, that, and the other X, Y, Z. There's a lot of external factors. I know I'm rambling because I'm pissed. I just think that what we saw tonight is unacceptable. Sorry, last night, unacceptable. The things we've been seeing in our other games, unacceptable. And look, UNC, when they went up to Syracuse, I thought they got hosed as well. I really do. I was watching that game. They had some tough calls. It's been across the board, just bad. And last night, probably some of the worst that I've seen. I am, again, I'm very simply into this, right? Whether or not he has a vendetta doesn't matter to me. I don't care about that. My mother always had a saying for me. Everybody can't be lying on you. Everybody can't be lying on you. And when, and normally most people, when they say everybody can't be lying on you, that just means that there's a lot of talk. But my mother, like me, very analytical. And she included numbers in that. So when she said everybody can't be lying on you, she said the grade shows that you're not getting it done. Your classmates corroborate the story that you're not getting it done. What's going on here? Everything is indicating that there is foul play here, like what I'm seeing. I don't give a rat's behind whether or not he has a personal vendetta against us. The numbers say, the numbers say that there's something going on here. The numbers say that. I don't understand how a team gets two times as worse or two times as bad or or half as good with a specific official. And they don't go to the league and say, keep him away from our program. I don't care if we're on the road. I don't care if we're at home. He needs to be nowhere near us. This is ridiculous. This is absolutely ridiculous. And there are so many fans that laugh and say, it's the state. They're being black helicopter people until their team's on the receiving end of it. Because boy, did I hear some fans recently talking about their team. Boy, did I hear some head coaches recently talking about their team and, and how things went with the officiating. And so, it's easy to say, well, it's just NC State. You know, NC State never takes a loss and doesn't blame the officials. Except we do. When we played Kansas, I didn't blame the officials at all. I say Kansas was the better team. Their guards were hitting shots that you – I'm a firm believer that, you know, every defense, regardless of how well you play it, how well you do it, it's going to give up something. Every defense, when you try to cut off something, it's going to give up something else. And every defense has a certain point where you say, all right, we're going to force the quarterback to make this throw. We're going to force the back or we're going to force their offensive line to open a hole against this. We're going to force the guard to make this shot off the glass. We're going to force their big to have to find a way to score against this. And if they do, we tip our cap. And there was a lot of plays against Kansas where I'm just like, you just tip your cap on that. And it was like, three or four straight where their guards were hitting runners in the lane over Mahorchage where I'm like, 
There's nothing else Mahorchik can do. He is doing everything humanly possible that you expect from a big. And I, I'm that way. I'm never going to say, oh, well, that's every game we lose is because of fish. I've said earlier in the year when we just could not draw up plays when it mattered, when we were just running ISO ball when it mattered. Hey, that's going to keep causing us L's. But when it comes down to a moment where I'm looking up and I'm saying, even some of the fouls that were called earlier on DJ, the the foul where it was a, uh, they said it was a horrible foul after he missed a free throw, I believe. To me, he got all ball. That was either a hell ball or a no call, a play on. How you call a foul on that is absolutely crazy. And again, even on Edwards, when Edwards and I believe it was Edwards and Dewana that hit back to back. No, it was DJ Burns hit the first one and then Edwards hit the second one. Uh, no, no, Edwards, then DJ Burns on the, the plays where they were straight up, straight up. They jumped. They did what they were supposed to do. Just about as straight up as straight up gets, too. And, and you get two fouls on both of them. I didn't agree with the foul on Edwards or the foul on Burns. I thought they were both terrible. I thought they were both terrible. So, you know, this is this is a situation where, again, everybody can't be lying on the ACC officials. Everybody can't be lying. And no other conference is getting as much heat about their officiating. And I, I didn't mean to take this whole time up talking about the officiating, but we'll start off in the next segment talking a little bit about how the things outside of Burt Smith and, and company that cost us this game. But before we do, I've got to tell you all about FanDuel. Folks, it's that time of the year. Football season's over, but guess what? All-Star Weekend is here. Basketball's in full swing. The pitchers and catchers have reported. I know Grayson is happy about that. So with that being said, download FanDuel now so you can bet on whatever it is that you want to bet on with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on anything from the money line, the point spreads, to who will be scoring in these upcoming games. So the FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe secure and super easy to use best of all you get paid your winnings instantly join fanduel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet again that's fanduel.com slash locked on make every moment more with fanduel official sportsbook partner of the nfl so grayson i i want to i want to get this started talking about what syracuse did do and we'll get to the boston college blowout but i mean it's not really too much to talk about it was a blowout. We dominated from the tip off, and it just was like. But anyway, I when I do look at things that I say NC State needs to do better. Judah Mintz had the night of his life. He was striping from deep, in a, at a at a clip that he'd never hit from. Edwards hit a three, his first of the season. But with that being said. There, I'm a firm believer, and I know that the stats don't support this. And I know that this is this is one of those illogical beliefs for me. Although statistically this does not exist, I believe Judah Mintz caught heat because his typical game, which is that of a slasher, he had Jarkel Joyner in a blender. He had Jarkel Joyner turned around, turned up, turned down. He he didn't know what was what defensively. And Jarkel Joyner had a triple double. Played extremely well offensively, but defensively, Judah Mintz used, abused him, and then he caught some heat to make 
of the threes that you weren't expecting to make more free throws than, than we'd seen from him percentage wise this season. And it just was like, man, what are we doing? We don't have anybody that can check Judah like that. This is, he's just, we're just bound to let him go off, which was quite disappointing to me. What say you on the map? Yeah. I mean, listen, Judah Mintz is, he's very shifty um, depending on how long he, he sticks with Syracuse or in the ACC. I think he will be a joy to watch, you know, moving forward. He's he's got a lot of raw talent. I think he's still kind of figuring out the ins and outs of an ACC basketball player. But yeah, I mean, for him to be shooting what was it twenty percent from three, and just to hit a big three in a big moment was just like uh, like humongous dagger. And then you know, not to mention Edwards, their center hasn't attempted a three pointer this year. That like. It was just one of those pure, and I, this doesn't only happen at NC State, but I, sometimes I, I feel like it does. One of those pure NC State moments where the yeah. ball got in his hands with two on the shot clock, and I said, "You have got to be kidding me!" Splash, and I'm like, "Yeah, okay." It maybe it is just one of those nights. Now we made a vicious effort to come back and overcome that, but you know, I thought the first half we just we played too much. I thought. Syracuse, there was a stretch there, probably the middle of the first half. Syracuse looked very content just handing us the ball game. They they looked awful. They were making horrible turnovers, taking horrible shots, missing the open shots when they were even getting those. And we looked like we were bound to blow them out. We looked like we had control of the game. Mm-hmm. And I hate to throw them under the bus here. I needed a much better, much smarter game from Jaquavion Smith last night. Absolutely. Just, it was it was an extremely ugly first half. And, you know, I've said on here before, I understand why he has the green light with Keats to basically shoot whenever he feels like he's ready to shoot. But if you're going to pull up from that deep consistently, you better be hitting him. Because if you're not, you're, you're almost immediately putting us at a – a man disadvantage because if DJ Burns is still running down the court and you're already firing a brick, he then got to whip back around and go the other way. And they have us five on four, just like that. That happened way too many times. I thought ugly. I mean, he only turned uh, baby T only turned the ball over twice. Both of them were very ugly. I just think that if he's not putting the ball in the bucket at times, it's very ugly. He it's just lazy fouls, lazy passes. It's just not there. And the first half was a lot of that. Now he did hit some big shots in the second half that let us crawl back into it. But I just thought like a better, like just more, more competent effort in the first half. We might've been in a completely different spot there at the end of the game where none of that nonsense would have even happened. And again, it's not just on Turquavion, uh, you know, Casey Morsell. He didn't have a great night either. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't I don't just want to harp on the negative. I do need to talk about Jack Clark. I understand, like, he did play in the Boston College game, limited action, but he played 31 minutes in Syracuse. I thought he was spectacular. For him to come back after missing, what, a month and a half and to give mm-hmm. us 15 to 9 on the road, awesome. Like, that was, I mean, more than you could have hoped from Jack Clark. I thought, you know, it was kind of interesting to see what was going to happen to Greg Gant with Jack Clark coming back. Greg Gant took a dive in minutes played. 
I thought it would have been beneficial to have him on the floor a little bit more defensively, but the way the way we were playing in the first half and just putting ourselves in a hole, you had to have Jack Clark on the on the floor for his offensive skills that Greg Gant doesn't have. Um, go ahead, I, I'm rambling. I'm going to say something that a lot of people aren't going to want to hear. And I'm going to say something that you may disagree with, Grace. To Quavin Smith's green light should be a yellow light. Yeah. It should be, there should be some leash to it. There should be some, all right now, hold it, hold on, hold on. Because what we are seeing here, I'm not saying that all oh, Terquavian will never turn it around and he's going to be missing everything for the rest of the season. I'm not saying that. But what I'm looking at here, okay, and, and this is objective truth, in the last four games, 11 of 38 from deep. 11 of 38 from deep. Ain't going to cut it. Two of those games turn out to be losses. When I look at Syracuse's zone, this this zone ain't as terrorizing as they've had in the past. Oh, so we had yeah. so many open looks last night, too. Here's the part that angers me the most. It's not just about the open looks. It's about what we did to create them. This zone is pliable. There were opportunities. Whenever our guards decided to drive the ball, good things happen. You don't beat a zone by whipping it around and shooting from the M in the logo. That's not how you beat a zone. You beat a zone with dribble penetration that then influences the zone to collapse. And then when the zone collapses, you kick it out. You beat the zone by throwing it to that free throw line, high elbow area. And when you get it into there, you trust the player that you've given it to there to make a good decision, which for the most part, uh, DJ Burns and Jarkel Joyner, when they were there, they did make good decisions. I would like to see Terravian play out of there next time if we see Syracuse in the tournament. You know what? Hey, you can stretch this thing out with your three-point shooting. But if you continue to miss, once you get to about six misses, all right, we need you to play there because we know that you can make the decisions we need. We know that you can make those shots. And it doesn't make sense for us to leave you out there. We know you're the most likely person to shoot that shot. And I know some people are going to look at me and say, Ken, are you crazy? The two threes that he had were the the, the points that tied us up. Here's the thing. To me, and, and this is why I always say, a football game is never determined by one play, right? Talk about the Super Bowl, talk about Bradbury. I said that the hold didn't determine the game, and it was a very ticky-tack call to me. I didn't agree with calling that call there. But I said one play didn't make the game because that play didn't directly result in seven points for the the Chiefs the way that Jalen Hurts fumbled it. And that's my mentality when looking at these things. So I don't see those two threes that got us back in the game as more crucially important than, oh, I don't know, any of the eight that didn't go in that led to a long rebound leads to Syracuse on the run. Syracuse struggled against our set defense, aside from Judah Mintz, who, again, had the night of his life. Let's just be honest about it. Edwards was in hell against DJ Burns. He could not do anything. That young man 
He at one point in time, I saw him gesturing, fly me back to Amsterdam. Fly me back. I don't, the States is no good for me. Fly me back. Because DJ was giving them fits. It is, it's a crying shame that DJ Burns playing time got limited in this game because you could see he was gonna take it over. He oh, absolutely was gonna take it over. It I think it would have ended up a lot like the Wake Forest game. He he was about to put the ball. It was I've said this multiple times on here. It was going to be a give the ball to the Italians moment, and he would have yep. won it for us. Yep. I, there's no doubt in my mind. But that that is exactly what I mean in terms of, again, I cannot put this all on, you know, the refs or all on or say, oh, yeah, the, the two threes that could take and hit were so big that that keeps them with an eternal green light. Objectively speaking, on the season, the man's shooting 34% from deep. He takes some incredibly difficult ones, no doubt about it. So that 34% is is impressive considering difficulty. But why do you have to shoot with such difficulty? You have a big that against Virginia commanded double teams all night. You have a guy in Jarkel who you can trust with the ball. I could understand last year, hey, it was a different territory, right? Casey Morsell wasn't striping like he is this year. Even after, even after this one of nine night from deep, Casey Morsell is still, I want to say he's still above 40% from deep. Yeah. That is, well, yeah, maybe, just maybe we can look at that and say, you know what? Yeah, we, we probably, I probably don't need to be shooting that shot. I probably have other guys on this team Casey Marcel is still at 43% from deep, even after a one for nine night. Maybe we can look at this and say, yeah, I can knock down every shot. But you know what? I've got really good teammates this year. Last year, I get it. I get it. it there were guys, I'm not going to say no names, who were really good shooters that acted as if they were terrified to play their role and shoot the ball. I understand. I understand it, baby. Shoot what you got to do. Do what you got to do. This team is not scared of the moment. This team is not scared of shooting. Sometimes the best thing that you can do is trust the guys around you. Trust the guys around you. So we're about to wrap this thing up. We're going to talk a little bit of the uh, Boston College um, decimation, and then we're going to talk the boys in baby blue coming to town because you know we're going to give you a preview episode on Saturday as well. You know we're coming at you. But we're going to talk some of that as well after a quick word from our sponsor. So, Grayson, the 30-point blowout of um, of Boston College was our biggest conference win since, I want to say, 06, or maybe even earlier than that. I want to it say. was up there. With that being said, what did that game say to you? What did it mean to you? And even with the context of the loss that followed, what does it mean to you? Yeah, I love just the, the focus that we went into that game with. And, you know, that was the game where, you know, it's, it's just – Boston College is not as good as you. This is a game on the road that you need to have, and we went up there and we had it. Not to mention we shot the lights out. That's always mm. a good thing. You know, we hit 15 of 33s. I, I, I'd i be hard-pressed to find you a game where you don't come out with the win when you shoot like that. Um, but just it felt like everybody was on. Jarkel in particular, he had 26. Just couldn't miss at some points. You know, DJ – 
Again, he was kind of in and out. Didn't do crazy numbers, but he still had 18 and 10. That's a big-time DJ Burns game. Just everything felt like it was working. And I mentioned, you know, Jack Clark, he did make his return in this game. And, yes, it was in limited action, but just to get him running around, not to mention hitting both both the, uh, the two shots he took, that's always an added bonus. But, you know, simply put, we went up there and we took care of business. Boston yeah. College is not as good as we are. They're not in any kind of way to change the trajectory that we are currently on. And we made sure of that. We went up there and we we beat their teeth in just like we're supposed to. 30-point dub, ice cream, couldn't be happier with the win. So the, the biggest difference that I think occurred from this game to the Syracuse game was that when we had Boston College on the ropes, we took the knockout punches and we landed them. Yeah. In the Syracuse game, we had them on the ropes and we decided to have multiple possessions straight of kind of stagnant, no motion, standing around, tossed around the three-point line, somebody heave up a deep three when we're up nine points in the first half. You got them on the ropes. You got them on the ropes. Go for the knockout. Go knock them out. You've got them. If, for those of you who play fight night, you've got them in the stunned state, okay? They're, they're backing up. They're, they're trying to cover themselves for their dear, dear lives. And then you say, oh, let me showboat a little bit. Oh, let me get a little cutesy-wootsy. Well, when you do that, you let them get back into it as opposed to, and again, against Boston College, like you said, some of those shots went down. They took some of those same shots, sure. But is that the way that you want to get that knockout? Is that the way that you want to do it? When again, you could look at the zone and say, dribble penetration killed that zone last night. Every time our guards decided, you know what, I'm going to get to the paint. Good things happen. Even if we didn't hit the shot, there was an open shot created. And yet we just, you know, we kind of veered away from it. So the Boston College win, great job of, of you know, hitting the knockout punch when you got it. But now we got the boys of Baby Blue coming to town. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's some revenge. I'm going to tell you this much. I'm going to tell you, we, I'm, I'm so geeked up. I'm so geeked up just thinking about that game. I'm going to tell you what. I believe the PNC is sold out for that game. Am I correct? They're sold out. Man, I, I've been listening to some James Brown. I need some get back. I need the payback. The big payback, baby. The big, the big payback. Big, Man, I tell you what, but there's a little bit of added spice, though, because UNC just went down to Miami on Monday. You know, we just dropped this game to Syracuse. So now you've created an environment where both teams kind of desperately need to have this game. As if, you, as if, as if the stakes needed to be any higher for this one, uh, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a bloodbath, you know it's it's gonna be a knockdown drag out fight. But, I but don't you know what I would love to see some of that. You know, I I hate to be this guy. I was a huge fan of Big East basketball back when the Big East was like had all those teams and it was tough and it was nasty and it was rugged. It was it was like this is different. Like this is ball right here. This ain't. The refs are not – you cannot look at them for a call because you're not getting it, buddy. This is – do Kenya put the ball in the basket? No blood, no foul type of territory. I love to see that. But we all know that's not going to happen, of course. It's, it's just not the nature of today's game nor the nature of, of what happens when you play the boys in baby blue. But, man, I love it. I love it if we saw a return to that uh, for this game. But don't worry. We will bring you the official – 
uh, the official preview show of that from Locked On Wolfpack. Also, I didn't know Grayson was a, a James Brown guy. You surprised oh, me yeah. there. You surprised yeah. me there. I, let me tell you, man, I, I'm a big James Brown guy myself, man. Doing It to the Dark is, is one of my favorite songs. I'm, I'm going to tell you something now. I'm going to tell you something. Some, some James Brown, some Luther Vandross. Woo! Uh, see, yes. see, see, let me tell you something now. Let me tell you something. I it, I will break out to play that fucking music, white boy. I'll break it out now. I'll break it out. Anywho, we got a, a very jam-packed few episodes coming up here because we have a lot to discuss but thank y'all so very much for coming out, Wolfpack Nation. Y'all make this show what it is every single time. Peace and love, y'all, as always. Go Pack. Go Pack. You are Locked On Wolfpack, your daily podcast on the NC State Wolfpack. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you.